Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 24, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey, folks, and welcome for the MLR Kickoff. Dan Power with you alongside Pete Steinberg. And Pete, you and I in Colorado bunkering down for the end of days as the, the greatest <laughs> blizzard ever to grace the United States is working its way up now. Uh, big weekend. You're up in Vancouver again. How was the sevens up there, my friend? I, I have to tell you, and it's going to hurt me to say this, but it's the best stop I've been to that isn't called Hong Kong. It was phenomenal. They had 40,000 people each day come in. Um, it's the uh, BC Place, which is right downtown Vancouver. It was two blocks away from my hotel. Reminded me a little bit of San Diego and being in the Gaslamp District. And you turn up, Dan, and there are more people in costume than people not in costume. So it was um, a, a great weekend and also, I think, a uh, maturing weekend for the U.S. So, um, you know, we came forth and we're all disappointed. And I think that's uh, um, a, a big lesson, although we stretched our lead above New Zealand. And um, I think it's a pretty, pretty much a certainty that the U.S. now qualifies for the Olympics. Um, with 113 points, I think they have. And I think they're like 33 points above the fifth place team. So that's exciting. And also as Major League Rugby is a cross-border competition, um, big shout out to the Canadian team for um, an amazing uh, win over Fiji uh, in, in pool play. And, and the crowd was um, right behind them and a good performance by Canada. Yep, got to uh, see that come across the social media. It's like that's a that's a great win, especially at home too. That's well, going to really energize the crowd. Yeah, and and that happened right after Spain beat New Zealand for the first time in men's seven. So it was like there was there were some real upsets in uh, um, in, in in pool play, and it just shows you the competition that is uh, and the ra- rising of the competition of those sort of tier two and tier three groups in the uh, um, on the circuit. Well, you were on the road. I was on the road. I'll jump on for the travel tip this week. And this one comes with a little nudge. So a little bit of a uh, persuasive conversation Sunday morning with a friend of the podcast, Scott Green, uh, one of the MLR's top referees. He a uh, big fan of the podcast. Him and all the refs uh, tune in. Uh, really enjoy you, Pete. They said I'm kind of on the fence. They find me a little bit annoying, but you know, we'll move on from that. Anyway, uh, a few weeks ago, my travel tip is about having good friends in your life when you're traveling. And Scott Green, he ticks that box because I left my headphones in the back of Richard Every's car, who is the uh, high-performance referee manager for Major League Rugby. And uh, those who know Richard know he's South African, and we won't Lord Voldemort is his nickname. But, uh, you know, I said, I'll, I'll get an Uber to and Scott Green goes, no, I'll bring them to your hotel. So Scott Green, I'm sorry I didn't think I should have. This is that public thanks and praise for you bringing me in the hotel in two, three weeks ago now. So travel tip, make friends because you never know when you're going to need them. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a good one. I think it connects with uh, – um, uh, all, all the things that when you travel a lot, making travel as pleasant as possible is is really the key. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, it helps us to be nice to the referees as well. Now we know they all listen. So love the referees doing a great job. <laughs> keep it up, boys. Well, you can keep opinion. your friends. I'll be. I'll probably, the... I'll, I'll probably be a little bit more um, uh, challenging to the referees, but you can keep your good friends, the referees, if they bring you headphones. Good cop everywhere. So we, we can do that. But Pete, it was a big weekend in uh, Major League Rugby every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, Friday night, I had the, the split on the tips last week. It was New York and Utah, and uh, I caught the start of this game. I'm not sure where I actually had to be on Friday night, but I do remember not having a chance to watch the whole game. And I saw the snow, and I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. This is going to play right into Utah, and Pete's going to get the double-point bonus win here with this game. But thank you, Rooney. Thank you, Mike Tolkien. Thank you. Well, I think this is um, – it, it was an interesting game, I think, this one, because I think, uh, um, you know, I really are really beginning to show um, some class. And I think, you know, having Dylan Fawcett back was huge. I think he's a, he's a big piece of the game. Um, Nate Brakely, another one that is, um, is doing well. And to be able to play as well as they did um, after, their, after they lost the fly-half marsh, I think uh, um, was a real sign, and um, I, you know, I, I think Utah really struggled. They they struggled to um, create attack. Um, they struggled when the ball was in their hands, and I think they're really, really missing Josh Reeves. So I think they're going to need Josh Reeves to come back and make a big impact. Yeah, that's hundred uh, percent right. He'll be back, as will all the ARC players. We'll dive into that a little bit later, but. 47-21, uh, a big, big win. So Rooney will, well, they find themselves just out of the top four, actually, with a bonus point by San Diego. But they get to go home. And it uh, should be a tough little road trip, anyone going out to New York. But, Pete, this was a game and one that Rooney was never tough with a couple of late tries to make it respectable. But... Uh, Chris Matina, you know, I think he started outside centre, ended up playing 65 minutes, 70-something minutes at fly half and was named Team of the Week at fly half. So you talked about the loss of Carl Marsh, but Chris Matina showing his versatility there, stepping into the fly half role. Yeah, and, you know, big shout-out to Marco Keith, Player of the Week, and um, I'll be talking to him a little bit later on the podcast, but... You know, this backline of um, Rooney, I think, is really going to be difficult to handle. Um, and, you know, they were able to really do, um, really prevent Utah from getting any go forward on their attack um, when they tried to move it wide. And um, I thought that, you know, Utah really suffered in the kicking game, but they weren't able to exit their half effectively. And I think that. Um, that's where Josh Reeves was um, able to come back. But a big shout out to John um, John Cullen, who I thought really had a phenomenal game at number eight. He's a real quality player, and he's the guy that leads from the front for that Utah team. And, you know, there's rumors about new players coming into Utah, um, and I think the uh, it'll be interesting to see. I still think there's more for these guys to give, 
but I just don't think they have the depth um, that some of the other teams have during the ARC. Yep, we'll uh, get to see that, obviously, with the rosters coming out in a few days for this weekend's game. And then Saturday night, Elton John said it's all right for fighting. It's all right for rugby as well. It's the Raptors took on the Austin Elite. And, uh, you know, we were pretty tough on Well, we weren't. I was with death taxes and Austin losing the three guarantees in life. Now, they did lose, so I wasn't wrong. But I think it was a much better performance from Austin Elite, especially on the road. Tough trip up there to Glendale on Saturday night. 38-19, the Raptors end up coming home. And again, not really in any trouble in this game. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, Pete, we looked at the Raptors as being a side that, you know, would have been on the on the cusp or in or out of the playoffs. But, you know, they've found themselves on the back of keeping bonus points with their draws and their losses. And now these wins well and truly entrenched in the top four. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, I've been really impressed with the Raptors uh, through the ARC, um, losing, you know, the three three of their biggest players, probably their no, most dynamic form forward in um, Homicide, and then their nine and ten with Davies and, and McGee. And I thought I think they've done really well. And they started, so I would argue that you know in this game, um, Austin in the second half had had you know probably their best half of the season. But the star and Ryberg, John Ryberg off the wing for the Raptors, I think is becoming really a, a real. Um, a real force, sort of uh, um, uh, someone, you know, sort of like Harley Davidson was last year. Maybe players are, are looking to that. And, you know, I thought the outside backs with um, Dylan uh, Taiketo Simpson at fullback, he's beginning to show. Did you see that little uh, no-look no pass uh, that was uh, just a beautiful play for him? And then Chad London at 13. Those, those backs were really able to um, open up Austin in the first half. And, you know, we are, you know, grabbing at straws a little bit here, I think, Dan, when we're talking about, you know, um, moral victories for Austin. There are, you know, hopefully some um, additions that are going to be coming into Austin from the ARC that will help them. But, you know, it's uh, um, it's going to be a long rest of the season for them. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. They've really just got to kind of dig in and find a purpose to salvage what they can for this season now, whether it be internally inside the playing group or an outside motivation they need to bring in. I'm not too sure what it is, but you've coached for a long time. Uh, you've played as well. You know you know what it's like when you start to get on a slide. It takes something uh, different to try to take the pressure off and just get a win. So we'll see with that. But I did see that uh, lovely no-looker from DTS uh, he's starting to really find his groove. He came into the season pretty high wraps and the first few games were probably a little bit of an adjustment period for him. Um, and the upset of the back line as well, losing in nine and 10, I'm sure it didn't help him at fullback with his timing and his involvement. So he's really starting to show the class player that he is in these last few weeks as well. So moving on, yeah. we had two games. Oh, sorry, Pete, you've got one yeah, more thing. I, mean, I, just wanna, I, I want to call out, you know, if you look at the stats, um, Austin uh, um, actually defended very well. This is what kept them in the game. Um, you know, they had over 200 tackles. They were 86%. And, you know, call out for um, their for Ben Mitchell, who I think is a really quality play. He had 20 tackles. And then you had um, uh, Zinzan Ilan Putik also with 20. But you know if your outside center is your leading tackler, then um, you're going to have some problems. And I think that's that's really 
where the um, backs of Glendale were able uh, to get that ball out to the outside um, center channel and put a lot of pressure on um, Elan Pudic. Yes, sir. And moving on to Sunday now versus Houston up there at Starfire, another sold-out game for the Seawolves. This one as I was preparing for the later game and I got a little nervous there for the Seawolves. Look, the Cats uh, in control early, but the Seawolves were able to run home with it in the second hit. Another win up there in Seattle in front of that uh, home crowd of theirs. Pete, did you get a chance to see this one? I know you were traveling as well. No, I actually, I, I, this is a game I wanted to watch. So um, I, I took a break from work today and watched it. I found it to be a, um, a really interesting game, not necessarily a game of the highest quality. I think for, for you know, I, I don't think the Seawolves were at their best. I don't think Houston were at their best. Um, but I think Houston was scrappy enough to be able to make it difficult for the Seawolves to be able to play. And I think that's where um, they, uh, um, uh, you know, it was on their defense that they were really able to just hold the Seawolves. The Seawolves had a number of chances. I mean, Eric Duchel dropped the ball um, over the line uh, or it was tackled, I would say, and had the ball knocked out over the line. But I think the, um, you know, the uh, addition of um, Oli Khalifi coming off the bench, um, John Hayden coming off the bench, uh, Jeremy Leonard. So, you know, Hayden and, and, and Leonard came out um, at half time, which I thought was an int- interesting choice by uh, um, by Richie Walker. And so, you know, it, it, I never felt like when I was watching this game, even though I knew the result, I never felt like Houston had control. I felt like they were able to play even and that Seattle off the bench was able to do something. Although, you know, the last try was a bounce into Eric Duchel's hand. So, you know, it was it's one of those things where if the bounce had gone the other way and Houston had, um, you know, got the ball, they had a chance to win it. But I think that, um, you know, they still are not, not able to generate um, enough go forward with their forwards. They're not getting over the game line enough. Um, and, you know, they struggled a little bit in, in the set piece. So... Uh, um, both in their scrums and their lineouts. So, you know, Houston, I, I think this was a better performance. You know, if you said, you know, we just talked about Austin and we were now talking about Houston, I think Houston can walk away feeling like they really competed with one of the top teams, but also, you know, not sure how they're actually going to get over the line with those top teams. Yeah, you look at the team of the week, two, only one Seattle player which is uh, unusual, but it's also indicative of maybe not their strongest performance. But winning ugly, as you know, is sometimes necessary. And looking back, it could be a win that they cherish at the back end of the year if they can get themselves in the top two and secure a home semifinal. So it's uh, winning ugly. You know that as a coach. It's just something you've got to learn how to do. So Sequoia Burke-Combs, he got the start on the wing there for the team of the week. Uh, good to see him make the most of his opportunity to get a start. Uh, in the 11 jersey there for Seattle. And now, Pete, the late game was Toronto traveling down to San Diego. This was the CBS game of the week. And a tale of two halves. Uh, never been more true in a game of rugby than this one. Uh, this is the game I called with uh, Brian Visit and Kate Zachary. Now, did you coach Kate? I did. Yeah, I did. Co- um, I coached Kate in both sevens and fifteens, and she was – our starting open side flanker in the 2017 um, World Cup, a uh, a really um, you know great uh, a great woman and a great leader 
and the current um, USA captain. I was absolutely stunned when she told me her career timeline of picking up a rugby ball. And oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is a tiny little window to go from I've never played a game of rugby to I'm captaining my country. And, you know, what a testament to not only her athleticism and leadership, but just, you know, what an amazing woman to, to go from never having played in 2014, the back end of 14, to play some social rugby out in Kansas to going to a World Cup. Unbelievable. Yeah. Two World yes. Cups, I should say. She went sevens and 15. So That's right. So, so you know, former elite college soccer player um, picked it up. But I think one of the reasons why, you know, there's lots of, we, there's lots of um, women in particular that try that route, but Kate just works really hard. Like she's not, she's very humble. And I think, and it's great to see her um, give, uh, you know, get the opportunity to, um, share some of her knowledge and uh, understanding of the game. Yeah, I'd love to see some more of the uh, women's eagles get involved on our side of the the microphone, uh, whether they're playing or not playing. So it was great to have her. I thought uh, she provided a lot of good insight. But let's talk a little bit about the game because it was a game of two halves. It, it actually, so I'm going I'm, I'm to question your game of two halves. And I'm going to okay. question it in, in, in two ways. First of all, um, you know, this is another game that I rewatched today. I did not get much work done. So when I'm traveling on these weekends, it is so hard to watch some of these games. And, you know, I'm a, so I'm, I literally have to take Monday and Tuesday and just catch up as, as much as I can. So I, I watched this game expecting to see a dominant San Diego in the first half and a dominant Toronto in the second half. And I didn't see a dominant San Diego in the first half. I saw San Diego with an edge. They certainly had the edge, but Toronto had a couple of opportunities in San Diego's half that they didn't take advantage of. And it was really the last 30 minutes. It wasn't really a game of two halves, right? It was really the last 30 minutes that Toronto scored their 24 points. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happened in that last 24, but, you know, it, it surprised me um, that the uh, the depth of San Diego and their defense wasn't able to hold them out in that last 30 because they've been such a good defensive side. And to see them carved up at the end was pretty remarkable. Those tries that came, and I'll... I'll again, two halves doesn't necessarily mean dominance on the score. It was 20 points to three after after about 50 minutes, and it ended up 27-20. So a run of 24 points uh, <laughs> tells me that one side had the better of it. But the tries that Toronto scored, it wasn't anything, you know, special off a set piece or a move or anything like that. It was sustained pressure, and I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't get a chance to catch up with Chris Silverthorne after the game. I kind of wanted to ask him if he'd seen something on film with San Diego that they were such a good defense that he was going to just try to wear them out and just – Bash and bash and bash because if you look at uh, especially the first try from Young Oiderman, I think it was on the back of over well over twelve to fifteen phases yeah, and going right. backwards up until that point. So that's I agree with you in terms of the defended extremely well even though they gave up twenty seven points. I'm not sure I haven't had a chance to look at the stats on this game yet, but. I would have much ball. And when we did have it, they gave it back pretty cheaply on a couple of occasions with handling errors, in particular in the second half, and then penalties were kind of costly for them in the first half that kept that lead at 17-3 at the break. They should should seriously have been a lot further ahead. 
at halftime than what they were. And it kind of kept Toronto uh, in in the hunt with a sniff. And that's all it really took for the, the men from up in Canada. And they come out and just did what they needed to do. And defended extremely well in that last 10 minutes too. I've got to give them credit. There was a couple of times where they're down on the line and they did defend quite well. Yeah, we're just getting some stats through now from Aaron Castro. Look at that, 178 to 179, dead even on the tackles, which is, uh, you know, which is a great stat because it was that kind of game. That's right, and I think one of the one of the turning points was um, was penalties. I mean, there are significantly more penalties, particularly in the second half. I think that um, there were, um, uh, you know, four penalties in the row. Um, after about 47 minutes. And, and in games like this, the ability to play territory, I think, was was um, was really critical. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, Sam Malcolm is really becoming a very, very good fly half. Um, and it was interesting to see two number eights, two new number eights, Jack Nay, um, a former England U20 player, start for um, Toronto. And then um, uh, Jordan Manihera, who's a um, former Maori All Black start for San Diego, but both of them, because they were new, um, you know, uh, lasted about a half. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting game. San Diego have kept teams in it with some of their errors and their inability to turn pressure into points. And I think this is the first time it really hurt them. Um, but it's a big boost for Toronto on their um, monster away game series. Yeah, it meant a lot to them too. You could tell at the full-time whistle. And so Manahara picked up a shoulder injury there in a, in a collision. So he oh, went out pretty early. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if the same was with Nay or that was a, a game management in terms of uh, just Matt. Like he's coming back from a serious injury. So that one I would have uh, imagined was management. But Manahara picked up a shoulder injury. And you notice when he went to, they lost that kind of attacking threat. He scored a great try with his first touch. And he always... Looked pretty dynamic and dangerous when he was uh, got the ball. And if he's not going to get the ball, you know that fence is going to keep an eye on him having you know such a great introduction. Um, yeah. Guessing you, you don't push as hard on the outside, and it's, you know you get a little nervous, especially uh, especially um, uh, do twice center, you know. It's a big man running at those two guys. You get him out of the picture. I mean, Siosi Mahoney come on, and he's an even, but just not as dynamic, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the Ottoman Empire, Dan? Yeah, so it's a, it's a throwback to the Ottoman Empire, which uh, I'm not sure if you know is around the current, like Turkey, through there. At one point, one of the most dominant civilizations on the face of the earth. So uh, their reach was rather impressive and, um, you know, got all the way into the Roman Empire. It gets a little messy there with the Roman Empire, Roman Catholic. It, we can start a history podcast. We can go into it. But uh, Ottoman, Ottoman, I kind of liked it. It came up on social media and uh, I said, you know, it's pretty sharp. It's pretty clever. So I'll run with it. And uh, what an impressive kid! He what, looks I don't, like I don't yeah. Want, yeah. I don't want to like throw too tough. much on him, but he reminds me a lot of when uh, Jason Robinson came over from rugby league, oh. and he he had this dynamic run. And now I'm not saying he's Jason Robinson; that is uh, a I mean, long I mean, way I to go. I love how you start with. Um, I don't want to put a lot on him, but I'm going to compare him to probably one of the top two or three most dynamic rugby runners in world rugby in the last 25 years but relative to the standard <laughs> that he's playing okay Let's not my point is 
is you remember when Robinson first broke onto the scene and a lot of teams and defenses had no clue what to do. Yeah. Like they were like, oh my God, like how yeah. do we handle this guy? Oiderman's kind of got that same feel to him where the ball comes out and you can see defenders start to get really nervous, like really nervous. Joe Peterson shot out a line for his first try. And I'm not sure if he saw Oiderman. He's like, you know what? This kid's just going to burn me on the outside. I've got to try to shut this down before it gets out there. Because he's that fast. He was gone. Uh, I think I commended Kyle Rogers, the fullback for the Legion, because he read the step really well. And then Oiderman just accelerated again. He hit another gear and got around Rogers. I was like, there's not a lot of players that can do that. You know, you commit to the step off the left foot and it doesn't work. The fullback reads it. Usually he does enough to hold on, but he hits that extra gear and he goes. And I really um, like I like him a lot, Pete. I really do. Yeah, me too. I, me too. And I, one of the things I love is he comes in and looks for work. And so he isn't someone that just stands out. And, and I think that um, it'll be interesting. He, you know, he's 19, so he's obviously uh, um, a young guy. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to do two things. One is to see sort of how he develops his game um, over the next couple of years. But also as this season goes on, how teams are able to um, adjust. And, um, you know, I think you might see some teams sliding out a little bit earlier, trying to get a player to bracket them to make sure that they're uh, um, able to contain him. I'd be surprised as he gets a little older, if he shifts the flea, I think that might be his spot. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Give- but requires a kicking game nowadays. Yeah, I, I haven't seen him kick, so he can. I can teach him. Mark Winnicott, fly me up there. You're going to bring me Toronto over a decade to go, let's do it. I'll teach him how to kick. I only need one day. I can show him a few things. But uh, I I think I said I I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Japan. I'd take him. I really would. I'd find a spot for him just because I think in four years from now, having him in there in 2019, he will be much better for it in so 2023. It, it, it's interesting, Dan, because this is these are the selection decisions um, coaches always have to make, right? And so your question is always, um, you know, do do I want to take the player that can win us a game, but also lose us a game, or do I take the player that isn't going to win us the game, but also isn't going to lose us the game? And so, you know, I, I I have to say that over my my international career, I lent more and more to the better athlete, to the player that can do something special, because there's so few of them. Um, and then you just have to deal with it. And I think you saw that when we selected in um, 2017, uh, um, you know, we took all the sevens players. We pretty much put them all on the field and we put them in positions that maybe they hadn't played before. But we just said, you guys, you know, Cheddar Ember is a great example. Um, you know, played fullback at Harvard, I think, three years before, but hadn't played fullback since. First next game of, of fullback was at the World Cup and uh, did some special things. Um, for us, that was really amazing, and also had some challenges. But um, I think if you if you want to win, I think you're right. He might end up going uh, um, going to Japan. You want to win? Put Oiderman in. There you go, <laughs> another one for you. Thanks. But um, yeah, it's it will be an interesting one because there are a lot of good wingers up in Canada, and we'll see we'll see how he handles the grind of the season. He's going to spend some time with the Canada under twenties here soon, so he'll he'll bow out of Major League Rugby for a few weeks, but. Um, Yes, great game and great uh, great comeback for the Arrows. Uh, unfortunately, they don't move up the ladder, which is kind of crazy. They uh, they get the win, but 
no movement on the ladder with results uh, with Seattle winning and then obviously San Diego getting the bonus point as well. Pete, let's uh, let's keep moving on here because that was a big weekend of action and we're going to go player of the week. You've already mentioned him. He was the two-try hero on Friday night. It was the Cowboy, big, beefy Mark O'Keefe. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Major League Rugby kickoff today. Happy to be here. Well, um, you know, before we get on to your um, snowy experiences yeah. in, uh, in, in Utah, um, talk to us a little bit about your, your background, um, where you're from, and, you know, sort of your uh, rugby career before you got to Major League Rugby. Perfect, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I went to school in St. Michael's College. Um, I was there for, I think, 13 years. Started playing rugby at a very young age, around five or six. I remember I was at home kicking a ball around in the garden with my auntie. And uh, from there, just loved the game. Um, was part of multiple teams in, in St. Michael's. We won, actually, the Senior Cup in 2012. was a great experience. Um, some of the players on my team were Dan Levy, Irish captain, Irish player at the moment, Ross Maloney, uh, Ross Byrne, Keen Keller, Nick McCarthy, all pros. Um, then from there, went to I did a bit of Leinster under 19s, um, Connacht under 20s, and then out of school I went and joined Lansdowne Rugby Club. Um, in Lansdowne, we I played 20s under 20s there, and we won the All Ireland, which was great. It was a great achievement. And then from there, I mustered up the courage to play senior rugby in Ireland. And Lansdowne seniors are a very good team. They're probably one of the best in Ireland at the moment. Um, and we won. The league actually the, la- the year before, actually last year when before I came here, so that was a big stepping stone for me to come over here because we did very well. Like I think we lost, I think it was two games all season, two very hard games. I think it was to Corcoran and Gary Owen away, which is two very tough places. Most of you might not know that, but very tough places to go to w- take a win. And uh, so that was really one of my big stepping stones about coming over here. And um, they've got in touch with me. Uh, James English got in touch with me and. Now I'm here. <laughs> well, it sounds great. And it sounds like you're going for back-to-back league titles. Yeah. Right? First with the All-Ireland League and now with Rooney at Major League Rugby. So um, now, in, in you know, when you were playing back at Lansdowne, um, were you <clears> playing <throat> primarily wing or were you playing in the centres as well? I So my first year <clears throat> in Lansdowne, uh, I was actually playing wing. And then last year, I actually played <clears throat> much more in the centre. Um showed kind of versatility but sometimes versatility is your best friend and sometimes it's your worst friend right right but uh yeah yeah i mean what what i always say is um it it takes it it um being versatile gets you into into the 23 but being versatile puts you on the bench in the 20 absolutely that's exactly it yeah so that's the that's the challenge that 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 you have so you know, you've, you've come across to um, Major League Rugby and, and you've come to Rooney. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to live in, you know, living the dream, right? Living in New York City. Yeah, it's it's really good, actually, to be honest. It's, it's but like it's exactly what I expected. It's a dream come true to be able to live in New York and to do something that, to be honest, when I was younger, I, I can only dream of to, to be a professional rugby player. It's just, it's great. And the people I'm living with as well, I think we're living, living up in Harlem. There's nine of us in the house and... Everyone's just kind of bought into the spirit and bought into the team, and we cook together, we clean together, we go for food together, we go to training together. I just finished a gym session there. We're all to get there together. It's more like a family here, which is great, and um, it makes it much easier to come over here. Like, because I, 
I knew one player on the team very well. I knew uh, two, sorry, uh, Ross Deacon and Kyle Marsh. And they were always nagging me about coming over and stuff. But, I mean, everyone else has been so accommodating um, that I live with and even that I don't live with when we get to training. Everyone just has a smile on their face and everyone just really wants to be there at the moment. So it just makes it a lot easier to get up in the mornings and go to the gym rather than dreading it, even though it's very cold here. Compared to, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll get on to how cold it is, um, uh, particularly in the last game you played. But before we get there, yeah. let's talk a little bit about your roommates. So you said it's like a family. There's nine of you. So mm. I, I got a couple of questions. Um, who, who's the neat freak? Who's the uh, guy that's cleaning up definitely alex mcdonald's we call him uncle because he's very much a parent uh, <laughs> he's he was in I, I think he was in i think he went to college in a military college and he's very he's very good but uh he's he loves to clean and stuff he's very neat <laughs> okay and who's the who's the guy that annoys alex the most who's the guy that doesn't clean like Ooh. like their room is like you're like you don't want to step into their room because it's always <laughs> such a mess well i'd say there's a few people in the house, but I'd say one of the main people is uh, Matt Working. But uh, he's a big guy. He's, <laughs> he takes up a lot of space. So he, he's, uh, but he's a good guy. He's, and he's also, he's a very good cook. So I actually live on the floor with uh, Alex McDonald, Matt Working, and Matt Houston. Right. So um, Matt Working does a lot of the cooking. He's a very good cook. He cooks very good meals. But uh, yeah, he can be sometimes, he can uh, leave stuff some places. <laughs> All right, final final question about the family that's living together in Harlem. What's the most fun thing you've done together so far? Like, do you guys have, like, game night? Do you Have you been to shows? What have you done that's, like, really been a great memory for you? Jesus. Um, that's a tough what, question. <laughs> what, yeah, what's something, so what's something off the field that you'll remember 20 years from now? Like an experience that you've had that you'll be like, you'll tell your kids about. I think it's actually walking around Harlem because, like, obviously it's very different to home and stuff. And, uh, like, a lot of people in Harlem, when we're walking around, we're walking around in our kit and stuff, they come up to us and they're like, well, you're the rugby team and they, like, get photos with us and stuff. And I think that's one of the main things that I will, like, definitely cherish because you really are, it's living the pro lifestyle. And I didn't think that a lot of people in America would buy into it, but there's people coming up to us and when we go for our shopping, go for our haircuts in this place called Don Nico's, uh, and we go to like the Wallace or the Harlem public to get food and people like automatically come up to us and ask us questions. And I think that's definitely the one thing that's going to stand with me when I go home, that like you're actually living the experience of like a pro rugby player and people are buying into it more than like, you wouldn't really expect it as much as like it, where it, as at home, if you see a, a famous Irish player like Johnny Sexton or something walking around, everyone's crowded around him. Right. But it's, it's kind of happening over here as well, but to a lesser extent. But it's cool. Well, yeah, that's great. Well, that's great. It's great that the New York is embracing the uh, Rugby United team. Mm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about on the field. So, so you've come over, mm -hmm. um, uh, you you start practice, and is the fact that it's so cold the biggest difference of practice, or is there something about practice in america with major league rugby that's different than back home other than the uh, fact it's really cold um well definitely i remember the first day i arrived i arrived on a sunday i think it was middle of january and i arrived and it was a blizzard so obviously <laughs> it was it was a big eye-opener what was of what to come um i obviously didn't have training on the sunday but on monday morning we were straight into the gym and then we went to Randall's Island to train, and I've never experienced anything as cold as that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, because it's the wind on Randall's Island, yeah, right? It's not I, yeah, just exactly, the cold, exactly, but it's the yeah. wind. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, really, it really hit home how cold it was going to be. But again, 
it's it's the first five ten minutes of training and then you completely forget about it which is great it's kind of similar to home as well like if it's cold it's for five five ten minutes uh, and then you're fine but the first five ten minutes over here is way worse <laughs> so so let's let, let's talk about being cold and let's talk about the utah game so mm-hmm. um so when you guys did you guys know it was going to be snowy when you got to utah um, I, we kind of thought it was going to hold off because we saw the week before that the the weather was awful. I think they were playing they were playing Glendale, I think it was, right. and we saw that the weather was awful, and we were kind of dreading it. But it kind of like we it was grand. Like we, we we saw that like other teams can go up there and do what we wanted to do. So we just kind of put in the back burner. But we saw we checked the weather forecast, and it said when we were leading up to it, it was going to be okay. And then as soon as the warm up started, it started belting down snow, which was, it was, it was different, but like it's good. You play through adversity. So it was, it was, it was an experience, definitely an experience to play in that snow. So obviously a, um, a, a very good, a very good performance. What, what do you think it was in the game that allowed you to dominate? I mean, I mean, you have won good games, right? I mean, I mean, you you guys are doing well. Mm. You only have that one loss to Seattle, but in the other games, you've you've you know you've played probably two of the best teams in um, San Diego Legion and Nola Gold, um, both away, and mm-hmm. you won both of those games. But I think that the um, Utah game seemed to be your most complete performance. Is that is that how you guys felt? Yeah, I kind of thought a lot of a lot of stuff came off like. The weather for like the weather was snowing and like everything was going against us adversely. I think we we were kind of a bit like laid back, but everything kind of just everything kind of clicked. I think like we played such expansive rugby for in those weather conditions, and the game was the game was so quick like you couldn't keep up with it, which was which was just a bit mad because of the weather. Um, right. But I thought everyone everyone kind of bought into it. We knew that it was going to be a tough day. We knew we were going to have to dog it out and. I think that kind of led us to believe that we were just going to like just going to win win and win not win, like win it out very hard and we were going to have to fight it fight until the very last second and like to be honest to be fair like that's exactly what Utah did as well like they scored in the last the last play of the game or 30 seconds before the end and we knew that we were going to have to try and put a, a big complete com, complete com performance uh so it well, was good but it was even more impressive because you lost your fly half right Kaho Marsh Early yeah, on, exactly. so I have a question. Um, how much time has uh, Chris Matina be- had a practice at fly half? Um, there's a, he gets one or two reps in at the end of training or like in the middle of training. But Chris Matina is a complete player. Like he can he can play nine, he can play ten, he can play twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, and eleven. I think he's a silky player and he's he has a very level head. And you can see that as soon as he stepped into ten, he was just very comfortable, and it was quite comfortable to play with him as well. And um, so. He, he's fine. He's definitely he's definitely able to step up to the plate when it, if um, if that happens yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I thought that was probably the most impressive part of the performance is to lose your ten, but to still keep your your shape and your tempo. Yeah, um, and I think the you know I think there's just you know there's a lot of experience out there, right? That's able to um to to manage that. So let's talk about you know the big weekend, which is this weekend, mm-hmm. Friday night. Um, at MCU Park, Rooney Historic, right, have their very first um, home game. 
um how how do you feel have you guys been to the stadium have you checked it out yet we're actually going there today actually we have a bit of a promo video there so we have a we're going there today um to look around and see what it's like um it's supposed to be raining on friday which uh isn't the best but I'm, i think it's supposed to hold up maybe it, it, towards the end of the night but uh we were the, the buzz around the camp is great like we can't wait to just have a first home game and to be honest one of the best things is not having to jump on a plane on a friday morning or a friday night to get right, across the, right across the country um but no i can't we honestly can't wait there's been a huge buzz around training not like it's there's a huge buzz every single week but it's just great to see they're going to be able to see a lot of people's family are coming over and uh like everyone's just really bought into it this week and obviously toronto uh had a really good win in the weekend and i heard they're getting a few boys back from the arc but uh, hopefully it's going to be a really good game and it's definitely going to be a big test for both teams yeah i mean i think this is probably the um you know one of the matchups of the weekend I, uh, toronto arrows do have they i mean they had so many players away at the arc we're still not sure exactly what that team looks like but you yeah. also had a few players away and some critical players you know i think um having john quill back is going to be a yeah, big boost to you and and those sorts of things and now you've got five weeks where you ha- only have one away trip right so this is going to be a nice um a nice little sort of month for you where you can not have to jump on a plane and you can enjoy your friday walking around harlem exactly yeah like obviously the boys coming back from the arc are going to be a huge input even though like like Dylan Fawcett and Nate Berkeley were away but they were back last week but even John Quill coming back as well would just be it'd be a huge boost to our team and that experience hopefully will drive us to hopefully beat Toronto by a good few points this weekend now you know it's a it's a 7 p.m game and evening games are always tough because you have the whole day to wait so tell me a little yeah. bit about yeah. what your sort of um game day schedule is for an evening game to be honest I'd probably I'd try and wake up early um I'd love to I kind of like getting out of the house as quickly as possible don't really like uh chilling around in the house in the mornings it's more after I get something done so I'd probably go for a nice breakfast in there's a place called the Hill Street Cafe close to our house so I might go there um and then probably just relax for the whole day drink as much water and eat as much food as possible before traveling out to um MCU Park well, you know, um, it's going to be a great game. I think everyone is excited to watch it. Um, I, you know, I know that uh, it's going to be on SNY out in New York, which is a huge network, also on EM, um, ESPN Plus and Game TV up in Toronto. It's a great game. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to talk to us. And good luck this weekend. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much. Cheers. There you have it, P. How about Big Marco Keep? What a game in the snow, too. What a champion. Man, um, all of these games in the snow, it's, uh, you know, I'm ready for spring to come. Um, you know, I don't think Rooney can be as bad as they've had it um, last, uh, last week for their home, home game this week, but, but, but we'll see. Well, we'll see if this snow system moves over to the uh, oh, East geez. Coast. Because there's another big weekend of action coming and it kicks off as we'll preview the games for this week. Uh, kicks off on Friday night and this is a game that you mentioned. Is Toronto going to New York? It's going to be 7 o'clock Eastern on SMY locally, Game TV up in Canada, ESPN Plus. I'm actually in Vegas all weekend. I missed the seven, so I'm not going to be doing a game 
one uh, is definitely one to watch after that result on Sunday night for Toronto. Who are you picking and how much? Well, I mean, I think this is going to be really interesting, right? Because um, uh, Toronto are going to get, they, they were probably the most impacted team in the uh, ARC. There's a, um, a great report on the uh, americasrugbynews.com if you want to look at the breakdown of each team and how they've been affected at the ARC. So, you know, we might end up seeing a new Toronto team, a new and more dynamic Toronto team with their Canadian players coming back in. But at home, um, with a great performance at Utah under their belt, um, you know, John Quill is back, um, Dylan Fawcett is back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what they do at fly half with Cal March um, being injured. But I think if, especially if Marsh plays, um, I think that this is going to be uh, Rooney's game to win. I think it's going to be a good game. I think these are two very, very good teams. And I think Rooney's going to win 32-28. Oh, that's, uh, that's actually right where I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah the Carl Marsh one is a big one. go second. I know, I know, but the Car- the Carl Marsh one worries me a little bit. Matina did exceptionally well on the fly, and but you get a you get a week if you're Toronto, and you can watch the film and kind of you know dig into into the soul of Chris Matina as a fly half and see they may not even they may not even play him at fly half. They may do a total rejig and bring someone else in. So who knows? That one will hinge a lot on the roster. But I just I just wonder if uh, looking at an emotional dump from Toronto on Sunday night, how that's going to be a rebound. I know they're going to get an influx of talent back from the ARC, and I wonder how that's going to be received as well to those guys who were grinding through that period who are now going to be out of the 23 or back on the bench. You know, it's a it's a tough little uh, man management problem to have. You know, it's great getting the players back, but what do you do with the guys I, who've done I, the job for you? You know, I'll, I'll tell you from a coaching perspective, I don't think that's a problem. I think the... I think that there'll be more than enough rugby for to go around for all of these guys. Um, if I'm Toronto, I think pretty carefully about the players that come back from the ARC, those that have played many, many minutes. I don't want to put them in here and put, give them another game. I want to give them that like, maybe I put them on the bench or maybe I don't select them at all. Um, they're three and two Toronto in their you know in their away uh, series. I think if they end up at 500 before they go home, I think they'll be happy. So. You know, I think if if I'm a coach, I'm thinking pretty heavily about how I reintegrate integrate those players, um, but not not because of team dynamics, but just because of their ability to play. You know, another eight games, nine games as the season goes on. I'll go New York. I'll say it's a little tighter. I'll go twenty-seven, twenty-two. That's not tighter. I said thirty-two, twenty-eight. <laughs> You said 27, yeah. 22. Less, Is your mathematics not up there? Not tighter. But th- I think less, I think that's a good no, – it's, it's, it's okay. You can take the, the five points. I'll take the four points. Don't, don't get me to do your taxes. No good. <laughs> All right, next game. I'll have to do this one first. It's Seattle against Austin. In Austin, and the Seawolves go on the road away from the uh, safety of Starfire. This one is 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. Facebook Watch and Root Sports up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you think at some point Austin's going to get a win, right? Um, you do, but I don't think it's this weekend. Oh, see, I just I, it's so easy. I just baited you. I just wanted to know who you would go for. Oh, so I mean, I don't think, Seattle. 
I think I think Seattle um, did not play well against Houston. Um, I think they they pulled it off. Um, I think that Richie Walker is slowly developing this. You know, a team that had a great attack and was really good in, tr- in transition. He's slowly developing a, uh, um, a, a, a a more dynamic attack. I think that's great. I think they still need to sort out their lineouts. Um, and, you know, I, I think they probably just need a little bit of forward help up in Seattle. But I, I just don't see where the points come from for Austin against the Seawall. Um, I think Seattle's going to be happy. They've played a lot of home games. I think they'll be happy to jump on a plane. It's not going to be arduous for them. They get to go south. Um, I, 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 unless something happens, like a major injury to a Seattle player, I, I don't think uh, this is going to be a tough road for Austin. Okay. You ready for my tip then? Sure. I'll go Seattle. Okay. Good job. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'll go 3228. Wow, man, Austin at home. I mean, there's been a couple of rumors, like I said, about them picking up some new players. Maybe that'll be helpful for them. Um, I just, I, I can't see them scoring 28 points against this Seattle team. Um, no, I, I was just making fun of your last game prediction. Oh, okay. Okay, you want to give us a, 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 a score then? Hey. Has Austin cracked twenty points yet this season? Yeah, they just they they um they cracked twenty points just this just this last week, right? Oh no, they, they got nineteen. Hmm. Yeah, so I'll go. Uh, I think uh, Seattle will probably handle them pretty easily down there. I'll, I'll go forty-two uh, twelve. Okay, so a big blowout there for Seattle. I'm not going to go quite that big, having spoke talked up Seattle, but I'm glad I was able to get you to expand a little bit i mean i think i think i think that seattle is still a little bit of a work on progress on on attack um i think that their kicking game still needs a little bit of work but i think that their um scrum and uh their back row in particular i think is going to do really well and so i think um seattle is going to win uh 32 10 there you go that's pretty good it's pretty good all right you're up first on this one uh, also Saturday night, an hour later, uh, it's down in Houston. New Orleans coming off the bye, take on the Houston Sabercats. And this one's on Cube, uh, locally there in Houston, and Facebook wash for the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because I thought Houston, you know, like I said, I don't think they played well, but they played a better game and they were more competitive in their um, game against Seattle. But I... You know, Nola Gold are looking like the you know the class of of um, of the league so far. Coming off a bye, being able to see what Houston does, feeling refreshed. Um, I think this is going to be Nola Gold. I think it's going to. I think Houston's going to make it a little bit harder on them. Um, that they have some players come back. So Arada comes back at scrum half. Paul Marlin comes back at tight head. I think those will be um, uh, good. I think. Uh, um, Hubert Bidens comes back right for Nola Gold, so they'll, both teams will have players back. But I think um, Houston's players are going to be more important. Um, so I think Nola win this, but I think Houston keep it competitive. I think Nola's going to win this twenty-two seventeen. That's a lot tighter than I think. Uh, with their players back from the ARC the week off, there was a couple of guys who were a little dinged up from the uh, Rooney game, and then that carried over into the Utah game. That week off has been uh, outstanding for them. So they are primed for a big one. I watched uh, a little bit of their training 
during that break and they were really getting stuck in over that break. And I think Houston is kind of like an ebb and flow, isn't it? They have a decent performance and they still don't get the job and they come home a little disheartened and it'll be a tough, tough one against this super dynamic attack. And we saw Rooney go into Houston weeks ago and get the wind down there. I will go New Orleans, but I think it will be a little 39-17. Oh, well, I mean... Have we ever predicted a score right? I mean, you're you're going big on those last two games, and so let's go first on this one. We've got uh, um, San Diego Legion at Glendale. It's going to be on 9news.com. And uh, let's get you your thoughts on this first. This is probably the hardest game to call. Well, I mean, the, the, the two hardest games to call are bookending, right? So this is 9 p.m. on on Saturday. Um, what's your, you know, and I know I know it's going to be hard, but but what do you think? I think these top are going four? to be two. It's a top four clash with the Raptors and the Legion. Um, You've got friends on both sides, so whatever you say, you're going to yeah. get yeah, I can't. It's going to be a draw. Um, <laughs> well, what can you do? Well, the Raptors have already had a draw. San Diego coming off the loss. Now, Ryan Mattias was a late scratch on the weekend with a quad strain. So if he can uh, overcome that, he said it was pretty close. It was just a little too iffy and they didn't want to risk it. So he adds a big difference to that back line for, uh, for the Legion. Because you've got Davies coming back, you've got McGee, you've got Hermeses, and you've got Al Jabori coming back for the Raptors, which is a big one, real big one. At home, too. Um, it's at 7 o'clock kickoff, so night game, Saturday night. Should get a good crowd there in Glendale. Ooh, that's really tough. That's really tough. Here's, here's, here's what I'm processing in my head now. Who do I want to get? calling and messaging me at the end of the week. Zach Fanolio or Lou Stanfield. That's what I need to do. I don't actually care about the game itself. I'm just trying to figure manage which one is going to be the most the way, annoying to deal like, with. This sounds like the Brexit negotiations. It's all about the politics, not actually about anything that's going on. So 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 play play your personal politics and make your choice. Can I call a draw? You can call a draw. I think you might be wrong. I think it might be a poor call, but you can definitely call a draw if that's what's going to help you handle your friendships. Dan, yeah, is least... this about is this about vacation, or is this about someone who also knows where you live? Just, just think well, they both they both know where I live. Ooh, so, um, proximity. Yeah. Oh, that's true. No, Zach Fanelli will never drive north of Denver. To him, that's uh, the great wasteland of the north. I'm safe. He. He's not uh, getting off clippity cloppity hill and, and bringing the Lexus up here to get me. That's for sure. I'm safe. No, I'm safe. I could take him. I think. I think I still got a couple of good ones in me. I'll get him. I will. Uh, I'd love to look at the rosters, Pete. Well, okay. Can... So no, no, we can't put it off, and we're not going to see the rosters. So I'm going to make my pick. So, okay, you go first. That might help. I'll, 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 I'll make my pick because man, you're really struggling. Um, this is, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be a really great game. The concern I have about the Glendale players coming back is the amount of high-level rugby they've played over the last five weeks. Um, you know, both McGee and Davies. I think Davies was rested for one game. Um, and I think the last three games, McGee's played all the minutes. And um, Hammersize has. I think that's going to be tough for them to stay the whole game. I think San Diego, if they can get healthy... Um, I think the um, 
they they have a slightly bigger bench, uh, a slightly better bench or more impactful, especially in the backs. So I think this is a really tough game. I'm going to go with San Diego. And the reason I'm going to go with San Diego is I just think the consistency that they've been able to have with their selection and their team and some of the key players coming back, even though Glendale have been around, those players have been around for a while, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to integrate into Glendale. Um, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a little bit of a defensive um, uh, matchup. And so I think it's going to be um, San Diego 20, Glendale 17. But it could go the other way. But, you know, unlike you, I can make a decision. Good for you. Good for you. Hey, are we uh, are we the same on all the other games? Did you go New York, Seattle, NOLA? Yeah. Okay, so we have, so, okay, I'll go Glendale then, just to, just to keep it interesting. So I can use this as a uh, backdoor when they get when Lou gets upset. I'll be like, oh, you know the the show I they push me to have some oh, differences. Yeah, that's right. That's still right. smoke and mirrors. Fault. It's all Aaron's fault. Blame it on Aaron. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he he keeps telling us off air. We want more conflict. More conflict. It creates cash. More conflict. So uh, I'll go the Raptors twenty seventeen. I think you got a good score there. I just think the result flipped uh, the teams, and I'm I'm happy with that. Well, Dan, I mean, it's going to be another great weekend. I'm so happy. It's uh, the only weekend. I think there's like seven or eight weekends in a row that I'm traveling. And this weekend, I am not traveling. So on um, Saturday, I'm going to sit down with my daughter, Penelope, who's two and a half, and we're going to watch a lot of rugby. That's what's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, I'll be coming back from from Vegas Saturday night. So I'll be watching the inside of my eyelids. Well, you know, thank you to everyone that's listening to us. Um, please subscribe to us on whatever your podcast uh, um, access tool is. Uh, if you have iTunes, please rate us and uh, um, uh, give us a review. That helps other people find us. And, Dan, it's been um, a good week. So you don't have a game this weekend? No. Uh, and, the and I don't have a the game other job weekend. takes priority. Yep, and I don't have a game this weekend. So we're looking forward to seeing all the other talented commentators out, out there doing that. And I know that uh, um, uh, Kate Zachary is actually being the color commentator for the uh, NOLA um, Houston game. So that will be uh, um, a great opportunity to tune into her and listen. It's true. It should be a real good game down there. All right, Pete, thank you, my friend. And uh, we will come back next week, same place, same time, and go over our picks and preview the next week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time.